Oh, do you think deadbeat means necrophilia? Yes. <laughs> well, it's wasted. We should have recorded that. Yeah, no. Language is power. Emojis, slang, the subjunctive mood, your mood, my mood, all colour our words with meaning. Interested? Then you're in the right place. I'm Giles Brandreth, and welcome to the Have You Eaten Grandma podcast. Hello, I'm Natalie Haynes, and I am here with my lovely friend, Giles Brandreth. Oh, it's good to be with you, Natalie. And we're going to talk some more about euphemisms. We're going to talk about euphemisms because my book, uh, Have You Eaten Grandma, is all about using the English language well, correctly, if there is a correct way of doing it, what the rules are, how they can be broken. And I have a bit of a dilemma with euphemisms. Some of them are extraordinary. The most extraordinary I came across when researching the book was this one, which dates from 1941, when Emperor Hirohito of Japan, after two, well, actually it was 1945, after two atomic bombs, the loss of about three million people and invasion imminent, he informed his subjects of their country's unconditional surrender, telling them the war situation has developed not necessarily to Japan's advantage. Well, that was a euphemism for saying we are fucked. Um, <laughs> And it is all over. And some euphemisms, when they're intended to soften the blow or be kind or be gentle, I think are good. But others can be risky because they prevent us from confronting reality. Nobody nowadays seems to die, for example. You can't say anyone has died. Even on the news now, they say somebody has passed. Passed? If they passed, they could pop in, couldn't they? I mean, if they died... It's like they'd... gone past a window. You yeah, know. exactly. Uh, you've gone. Death is death, let us confront it uh, and, and say what it is. And so I'm a little bit wary of euphemisms. You know, partially proficient to me means useless. Um, adult often means pornographic. And senior, as applied to me, means virtually dead. Um, I think I've landed in the wrong podcast. Ben Crystal! <laughs> I've never understood emojis. Like, I love semicolons, although I think some of yours were ellipsis. I'm from Wales. <laughs> And I can also speak Chaucer in the original hey! accent. Like, oh. Call well, back, call back, call back, call back. Yeah, call no, back. I like the, the rest of it. I know nothing the about you from this. Yeah, you're just talking the shit out of this. I know, right? <laughs> Do you think I'm in country matters? Yeah. Ah, there you are. That's a good euphemism, right? Yes, it and is. we like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Explain the context of that for those who don't know. It's from Hamlet. Hamlet. It's Hamlet. It's from to uh, Hamlet, Act uh, Three, Scene Two, the play within the play, when uh, he's flirting with uh, Ophelia, having just uh, berated her the night before, and uh, he asks if he may lie in her lap, and uh, she says, "No, my lord." And he says, "Oh, you do not think I mean country matters?" Which was an ellipsis, not a semicolon. In that case, it certainly was, because ellipsis really is those three dots, isn't it? It's my favourite bit of punctuation. Yeah. Whereas when I was using uh, semicolons last time, I was using them correctly. Um, oh. I mean, from a performance point of view, Giles, you know, I mean... I told you it was all going to kick off in this programme. I, <laughs> I did say before we started. But we do, we're not talking about punctuation, though. We love the ellipsis. People don't know what an ellipsis oh. is, but just to tell you what it is, it's those three dots that go, wah, wah, wah. That's the kind of uh, audio version of the ellipsis. Is and that what you've done in the audio book of Have You Eaten Grandma? I have. Have you? It's only three dots, not four. That's something quite different, not one. What's four dots? Four. That's the custard pie. Ah, yeah. Three dots is the ellipsis. That's what you want. And it is. It, it sort of keeps everything on edge. But the ellipsis <laughs> has been overtaken by Very the lovely. emoji side eye, right? Wait, so if you what? Do the, 
The side oh, eye this emoji. This is what happens when a young person talks. Sorry. So you have the side eye emoji, right? And instead of dot, 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 you can do, ooh. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is genuinely revelatory. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So somebody you, has never, again, like, dropped in your DMs on, like, Twitter and, and did a side eye? I'm not on Twitter. I'm too old. Oh. No, no, there's no age limit now. Oh. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm too old. You should be on Twitter. We could, we could tweet each other. Ellipses all day. Do you know, I'm one of the few people That's in this country hobby, who is actually followed by Donald Trump. Isn't that oh, extraordinary? No. Yeah. Or terrible. Uh, well, it's, I, oh, I'm fascinated by the, the I Trump start worrying if I... No, no, he's the most extraordinary phenomenon. I mean, the very fact that, you know, Woody Woodpecker and Donald Duck had a love child is amazing enough. <laughs> uh, 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 and I get these things. And of course, he's tweeting at just the time when I'm awake. You know, because it's in the middle of the night, his time, but right. I'm getting up in the morning. So I hear from Donald Trump, you must get onto this Twitter I'm not thing. sure he can buy your book, though, because there's a, quite a good case being made by Samantha Bee, the excellent American comedian that he can't read. Um, I so, mean, well, he, can, he knows how to do a euphemism with his alternative facts. Which just he loves lies. a book yes. with colourful endpapers. And you do have lovely <laughs> Yeah, and I've got cars. that. I think he'll well, want... the ladies say so. I think he'll want this book. Does it? Anyway, it's at GilesB1 if you want to send me your ellipsis. Well, if we're going to do that, oh, it's yeah. also at Ben. No, but think twice before you add either a courgette or a, what was the other thing? An aubergine. An aubergine, oh, an aubergine yeah. or okay. a peach. Or at least if Please you do don't. correctly spell it. Yeah. Okay. Paul Bassett Davis. Hello. Please will you tell us a bit about your um, views on euphemisms. Regional euphemisms, got any? Um, I love euphemisms. Do you? Why? Especially if, because you could have fun with them. I mean, just to, to carry on with the two subjects of Shakespeare and death. Oh, God. Um, one of the, since we're on death, one of, one of the, my favourite ones is from, is from the beginning of Henry VIII, which was either Shakespeare or Fletcher, depending on who wrote the line, when Buckingham is going off to be executed. And he says, when the long divorce of steel falls on me. And I love that because it's, it is a euphemism, because it's much less brutal than saying, I'm off to have my head chopped off. But it's also a lovely, meta it's lovely metaphor as well. So I think that's a really creative way to avoid saying, I'm about to have my head severed from my body in an extremely gruesome and horrible way with blood spooters coming out everywhere. It's euphemistic in that sense, in the sense it's avoiding the gory reality. But it is also very creative. The long divorce of steel. I just think it's fantastic. But isn't that so confusing? Like, as somebody whose <laughs> la first language isn't English, I found euphemisms really confusing. I was, I think, seven years old when I went to the forest in London called um, Trap, something Trap. And um, there was a dog there called Cherry, who I told you about. And I this sounds the... like a whole series of you. This is a real forest. It was called Sun Trap, right? I think it was just a park, but we were just very small and they told yes, us it was it a forest, yeah. right? And there was a dog there called Cherry and this was my first love. I loved Cherry. Went there again next year at school and Cherry has been put to sleep. And as an eight-year-old, I walked around the whole place oh. saying, where is Cherry? Yes, I and someone wake her up. Oh. So I think it's all very like confusing. And when I heard what it was, I just, I was besides myself. Mind you, when I was 23, uh, my beloved, uh, my, the only true love of my uh, young life, uh, my 1959 <laughs> Morris Thousand Saloon, double my age the year I bought it, had to go and live on a farm. Oh. <laughs> and do they write letters? Does it write letters to you every year saying what a nice time it's having on the farm? Yes, it does. Yeah, I'm just like tootling around. It's, it's right not like right. Animal Farm, no, it's a nice farm. It's a nice yeah. farm. Yeah. 30 years later, they're still writing. Yeah. For the book. Wait, how old do you think I am? <laughs> 
Okay. You're I was no a, longer a panelist on this uh, show. Okay, right. This I, but, shit just got I, Don't real. get me on to Father Christmas then, because I've got other bad news now, for you as well. <laughs> I want people to chip in with these, because before, when I was doing the book, I wanted to create an A to Z of euphemisms for sex. I thought that's, you know, what, what Surely the Surely they're all needed. just F, because when we did no. Wordaholics together, everything that had French in was always to do with syphilis and sex, every well, single time. But this... It's 100% guaranteed you could get a point on that programme by saying... <laughs> this is for, actually, this is for, really, the act of sexual intercourse. Uh, and, you know, and I wanted to get complete, from the act of darkness, for A, right through to zigzagging, for Z. And uh, I came, and there, there, there were so many that I couldn't include, I mean, I could have done a whole book of euphemisms. Obviously, what was interesting is how old some of them were. Things like making love, sleeping with, humping, shagging. These are all pre-20th century. Um, and the oldest one I came across, and... The boys who are here and can give us their historical input. <laughs> uh, give someone a green gown from oh. the 1300s. This term refers to having sex out of doors, on the grass, in the forest. Yeah, that's what it says here. <laughs> what about this one? From the 1390s, the service of Venus. Of course, Ooh. she was the Roman goddess of love, was she? Certainly was. I love this one from the 1300s. Uh, playing Nugganug. Does that occur later in Shakespeare? Uh, make butter with your tail from the 1590s. That just sounds unhygienic, Charles. Make the beast with two backs. Where's that oh, from? Why are you pointing nice. at me? Because you're the Shakespeare guru. Make the beast with two backs. Oh. What's it from? Is it Macbeth? It's a thousand. Uh, yeah, it's Iago, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. Oh, actually, I didn't really like this one. Uh, from the 1600s. <laughs> Shoot twixt wind and water. Uh, pierce the hog's head. I like this. Dance the Paphian jig which is from the 1650s. Paphos is where? Greek. Yeah, it's in Cyprus. And it was sacred to? Uh, Aphrodite is the birthplace. Correct, the goddess of love. Wow, this quiz has gone surprisingly well. <laughs> Yay. Hey. One I last think, one that you will I enjoy. Doing it wrong. Take a Basically, turn among the cabbages. Oh. Not, it's quite and what's the most reason. modern one you found? The most modern one, um, Netflix and chill. No, that's very um, 2014, you know. Yeah. Is it? Is that, yeah. what's, what's a more up-to-date version? Beat. What? Hmm? Beat. <laughs> beat. Yeah. And do you say, shall we beat? <laughs> <laughs> How do we use it? No, because the point is, this is... I don't know if you've ever sat next to James Brandon whilst he lit sexual euphemisms before. No, but the point is... It's kind of arousing. This is supposed to be an educational podcast. People are tuning in because they want to learn. And they want to learn... No, you don't say it quite like that. How do you say it? How do you use it? It's quite... Well, some women take it rather like... Oh, you're offending me because, you know, was I just a beat to you? Ah. Oh, I see. It's yeah. Oh, like a lay in, in old-fashioned yeah, terms. Yeah, but like, oh, you know, some guys might say to their friends, like, oh, did you, did you beat? I mean, did you have it away? I'm just yeah. translating. Yeah, so it's both a noun and an intransitive verb. Yeah, it's, it's all But it's just, never transitive. Yeah. It's, you don't it's, beat it's a, a person. So the beat generation isn't what I thought it's at not, all. It's not Thomas. <laughs> No, things have all changed. Oh, my God. Things have all changed. But yeah, it depends. Like, sometimes you're in a group chat, maybe you can say that, but wish not when you're outside, you can't, so it's other so things. So it's okay to be in a group chat? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I see how we got on to the aubergine from the beats. 
exactly. I just didn't know it was going to go this way, but it's, now it has. I'm just going to roll around. This is wonderful. Yeah, you might need to you. get this one updated. <laughs> I've got nothing for you. I only it wish is, it would stop. What is interesting? Giles, focus us back on something. I'll focus us back, seriously. Please. The reason that we need to collect all the... One of the reasons that dictionaries are so important is that you can't actually understand the world in which people operate unless you know the language. And I often think how curious it would be for somebody like Jane Austen, one of my favourite writers, if she came into our world and read a contemporary novel, she would be lost at almost every word. When, when beat is mentioned nowadays, dear Jane Austen would think it was the, a metronome and somebody was at the piano and that beat was... Yeah, exactly. Or it was the people arriving in town, the soldiers were beating... You know, it's, 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 it, <laughs> it was happening, but there were different phrases for it then. That's why we need to know. I, the other day, was showing somebody a bit of P.G. Woodhouse. I love P.G. Woodhouse, an incredible, funny writer, but writing in the teens, 20s, 30s of the 20th century. And he, in fact, put more words into the language than almost any other English writer in the 20th century. And they need to be in the dictionary because people don't know what he meant. For example, making whoopee in the 1920s was beat. That's what they were up to. Now, you, you people, you say, you know, do you beat? Will you beat? Will you beat? I don't know. Just keep saying beat her. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Now. <laughs> no, no, but I'm trying to get it right, that's all. No, you're getting it wrong, child. Well, that's right. People got saying making whoopee wrong. Yeah. They thought it was a whoopee cushion or something. They didn't realise that it was a sort of sexual act. But Woodhouse was amazing at euphemisms for being drunk. Yes, I think tight as an owl is one of the great <laughs> euphemisms for being drunk. I, genuinely, I wish I, I, almost every coinage of Woodhouse is a is a constant and ongoing joy. But people don't know them, do they? Not as often as they should. I don't uh, think. They, uh, I mean, I agree. I, I'm totally with you on the the Woodhouse front. What's your favourite euphemism? Mine's a family one, so it's it's completely serendipitous. But when my sister and I were really really little, my parents, if they weren't arguing, used to say, "Always oh, state agents to you." And it was because they used to drive past an estate agent that was called Bulls and Bulls. <laughs> so that was the way they could swear in front of us when we were tiny. And that's what, so that's completely that's coincidental. Completely adorable. But it's true. And I think that's, I, I like the idea that families make up their own mm. euthanism. So you're sitting there and then suddenly somebody says, Uncle George can't come because he's having a cup of tea with the vicar. And you just go, oh, right, OK, yes. And you Face sort of, down in a flower yeah, again. Yeah, you get yeah. something. That, it's just some family way of saying something that, that should not be spoken on overtly. So that's, that's my personal favourite. Ray, what's I, your favourite? My favourite is, well, it's not a favourite, it's just the one that had me confused for a very long time, is late someone, so anyone that's died, like her late yes. father. Um, I want to, well... I was very young and someone said, oh, she's upset because of the loss of her late father. And I was like... So he's late because so he's he got late lost. all yeah. the time? Yeah. And it's just something that I, I am very embarrassed to only say that I've only learned what it was of me a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I was, for a long time, I was confused. And it, when it dawned on me, I was like, oh. Yeah, suddenly it all falls like, I, the whole, like, I, I refuse to believe that it's because someone is late. And I was like, I don't. You've been suddenly traumatised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the lovely pets in your life have all been put to Just sleep. Just say someone's <laughs> died. Yeah. yeah that, that's Just tell where, me the damn dog's dead. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we came in. But the good news is, for you particularly, if I may say so, Natalie, that Have You Eaten Grandma celebrates 
your friend P.G. Woodhouse, your well, hero. Well, thank goodness. What was the favorite euphemism for being drunk? Tight as an owl. Tight as an owl. He also uses these different words. Awash, boiled, fried, illuminated, lathered, oiled, ossified, pie-eyed, polluted, uh, primed, scrooched, stinko, squiffy, tanked, tiddly, and my favorite, woozled. I was terribly woozled last night. <laughs> and the way he does it is so charming. Bally he uses instead of bloody, crispish, meaning rather nicely, somewhat crisp, gruntled. I love that, don't you? Uh, as opposed to disgruntled. Um, that's marvelous. And I, whenever he eats, he goes to the nose bag. Oh, yeah, it is, he is an ongoing joy. He is an ongoing joy. Ben, do you have a favorite euphemism? A working actor. Nice. No, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, actually that's a fallacy. But yeah. That's a wait. The euphemism for a waiter, isn't it? <laughs> Oh. Uh, what do they, an absence of waiters is the collective noun for waiters. I know that right. right. But now we're into collective nouns. I, I, I steered very carefully away from euphemisms, though, didn't I? Yeah, you did. But what is our conclusion on euphemisms? Are they good or are they bad? I mean, to get back to the serious point, do we basically agree? I mean, people like George Orwell were nervous about euphemisms. Yes. He, he thought that once you get into actually covering up something by uh, an obscure... You know, it, it's like saying that the people who were in Salisbury... Um, on an assassination mission, were actually tourists. Yes, uh, visiting the cathedral exactly. must be a new euphemism. Absolutely. For murdering yeah. people by long distance poison. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just visiting, looking for the perpendicular spire. Yes. That is a euphemism. No, that's a different euphemism, Giles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Taking us right back to is that sex. A euphemism for aubergine. Yes. But so, do we agree that there is a difference? There are imaginative, creative ones, like the ones that would be used by P.G. Woodhouse, and there are dangerous ones. Deliberately obscuring yeah. the truth. A and that's what we've got to work out between us. You know. I think we have to walk a fine line between frankness and kindness. Ah. That's what I'm always... Err uh, on the side of kindness. I mean, it never hurts, does it? It never hurts. Err uh, really. on the side of kindness. I agree. But I do think I agree that it is confusing when you say that thing about the lake, because that always used to get me when I was a kid mm. exactly the same. I think Tombstone should say, not sleeping, just dead. That's fantastic. <laughs> let's, like, let's just get to it, you know? Not resting, just, just decomposing. Just, just, <laughs> rotting, just rotting away under here, a few feet underneath here. Oh, but so you just, say I would like mine so to read having a difficult kind, day. Really. I think that would be fine. <laughs> that would be a good euphemism. What? Having a difficult day. Oh, a difficult that's what I'd like my tombstone to ground here, yes. <laughs> well, with Spike Milligan's, I told them I, I told was you sick. Myself, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was a lot. Sometimes these politically correct euphemisms also make things more difficult. I mean, I was uh, doing an interview for the radio the other day with, with uh, a psychologist, and she was talking about protecting children and uh, from... And he was talking about caretakers. She meant parents, but in the context, she was talking about school life. The audience thought she was meanting school caretakers. And she no, actually as we all know our villains, because we've all seen Scooby-Doo. Well, 100% exactly. of the time. So it, it is confusing sometimes when you use a euphemism. I mean, gunmen apparently now is no longer allowed because it, it's a shooter. In America, they call them shooters or shootists. But in fact, gunman said something specific, as gunwoman also would say something specific. Shooter is a kind of euphemism, and I, I'm not sure that that is a good thing. That's, that's really, I, I just have, you know, I don't know. You've got reservations. I've got, I've got reservations. Euphemistically speaking. Yeah. I agree they're with fun some. With, oh. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to say they're fun when they're playful, but when they're avoiding yes. being direct and, and dealing with the truth, then they can, they can be really troublesome and obfuscated. Especially yeah. in like yeah. companies that's, that's when... They're trying to fire everyone, but you know we're downscaling. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. have to let you go. Have to let you I go. Like that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, from a great height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other pit from yeah. alligators. Great, yeah. thank you. The other one I love about what people use for death is when they say, um, when, when was it that you lost her? And it's like, as though you've mislaid them and they're going to show up again. And you could just sort of, you know, find them somewhere. Just put my glasses on. It, it, having a good innings, which goes down um, really badly in America. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't understand cricket. <laughs> They've got baseball, though. Do they not have innings in baseball? I have no idea. I don't know I do, either. I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm already teetering over my understanding of sport. Okay. <laughs> Back up, everybody. Back up. It's like the disc world here. All right, we've run out of, luckily run out of time just before sport occurred. So everything's going to be fine. Uh, please just thank my lovely guests who were Ben Crystal, Ray Rafiq, Paul Bassett-Davis and, of course, gorgeous Charles Brown. Hold on, we haven't even begun on what do we call the lavatory, the loo, the toilet. Well, you should have the said bathroom. it sooner. Too bad. The bathroom. Do you call it the bathroom? Too bad. Too bad. I but, veto. Uh, We're going to be here all night. People saying, wash no. your hands. I say, I did it in no. the bushes already. I no. need the jakes. I've got to go. No, 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 no. I like the jakes. What about the lavvy? Do you like the lavvy? No, don't encourage him. The Stop necessarium. It. Stop it. What? Stop it. The heads. I like the heads. Charles, we have two more programs to go. Stop talking. Okay. And I say that with love in my heart. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, thank you very much. I'm off to the closet. <laughs> Join us next time as we um and err our way from amaze balls to parliamentary halls. All on the Have You Eaten Grandma podcast. And of course, if you can't wait, you can find my book. Have you eaten grandma in hardback, audio and ebook available now?